just allow God to speak to us through the preaching of the Word. And let me just encourage you to uh, stay tuned in. Uh, I was just on my way down this morning as I, we all are on Sunday in the morning, and uh, I picked up a hitchhiker this morning. Uh, just when I left the driveway, there was a cicada stuck to my side of my window there and was hitchhiking all the way down. And I tell you what, he was hanging on for dear life. And uh, the ride was pretty scary for him because he shook and he rattled around, but he never lost his grip. It was amazing. And, uh, and I arrived down here and he's still sitting there by the side. And I thought to myself, he's never traveled this fast before. And uh, he's never traveled this far either. And, uh, you know, I just had a sense here this morning that some of you, uh, you're going to get thrust into a new place in God here this morning. You might think, man, I've never traveled that fast before. And, and I'm in a new place today. And it could be that in the next half an hour, 45 minutes, uh, you're just going to make a major shift. And so I'm encouraging you, hang on for dear life. Don't let go and uh, pay attention. <laughs> so you're going to, don't come unstuck somewhere and uh, that'll be absolutely wonderful. I'd like to pray and, and uh, God, we've already prayed. God's already here this morning. And, uh, and if you're sensing a sense of peace, let me say that that's God in the place here this morning. And God is so excited that there is a half a dozen people here this morning that are going to make a public declaration that they've come out of the kingdom of darkness where all sorts of stuff goes wrong and all sorts of stuff goes down and then it ends up in a bad place eternally. They've come into God's kingdom, which is a good place. God wants everybody to go there. So we're just going to pray and trust God that he will speak to us and show us the way. Heavenly Father, we commit this time to you. And we ask, Lord, that you speak to us. And show us the way. In Jesus' name, amen. I apologize, just suddenly... get a bit emotional occasionally. If you haven't got an outline in your hand, one of them bits of paper, just wave your hand about a little bit and uh, you're able to follow along. You typically write um, the message that we bring. And uh, I'm going to start reading again uh, in a passage of Scripture where we've been for the last few weeks out of the book of Psalms 103. And here in verse 1, uh, right through to verse 5, um, David, the shepherd's boy, David, the future king of Israel, made some very powerful statements. And uh, he speaks in there about uh, the need for us to praise God and to bless his holy name. And he speaks there about some benefits that are made available to people. And uh, we need to learn how to get in on these benefits because they're really, really good things. And so here in Psalm 103, verse 1, he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And uh, David, the shepherd boy, David the psalmist, um, David was very good with words. Uh, and he, he was a musician, and he would typically write words, and then he'll put uh, a melody with it and turn it into a song. Now, we've lost the melody, but we got the words. 
And uh, David speaks there about six benefits that are available to human beings everywhere, uh, but we need to learn how to get in on these benefits. Uh, for the last uh, couple of three weeks, we've been speaking about one of those benefits there where he says that God satisfies our mouth with good things. And uh, that, if you like, is biblical language for, for that God satisfies us with prosperity. God satisfies us with provision in our lives so that we are able to pay our bills and live a good life and not have to kind of struggle to put food on the table and so forth. And God wants to get involved in that. Many people see God as a very distant God, way, way away in the future. But God wants to be close. He wants to be near. And He wants to help us. And He wants to put something on our lives that's called the blessing of God, where things will become easier. Things are not as hard as what they, as what they are. And you know, the Bible speaks of a curse that came on mankind back in the Garden of Eden when, when Adam and Eve disobeyed and disconnected from God and the curse started to operate in the earth where a man had to earn his living by the sweat of his brow. And God says, I want to undo that thing in your life and I want to put the blessing on it so that sure you will work and sure you'll put your, your hands to the plow, but things are going to be easy. You don't have to extract, a, 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 you know, as it were, a, a living from, from the ground or a living from wherever you're getting your living from through, through just extremely hard work with very little to show for. God says, I want to help you with that. And that is one of the benefits. Uh, that he speaks about. That were good things there, we said. In other places in the Bible, it's translated as wealth. It's translated as prosperity. And uh, how do you know that God's a God of prosperity? God's not a God of poverty. And uh, it speaks there about fine things. Uh, it speaks about good things. And, and God wants us to break into that um, in a greater way. We said that all of God's benefits and I'm just recapping before we cover new ground, but all of God's benefits are realized uh, through faith in Jesus Christ and what he's done on the cross of Calvary. Um, Jesus paid the price for us to be forgiven, to be blessed, to be healed, to be protected, and uh, that is absolutely, fantastically good news. Uh, this morning I would like to focus on another one of those benefits uh, that I believe is going to uh, help you to live a better life to live a more secure life. And the benefit that uh, David lists in here is the benefit of protection. In verse 4, he says, God who redeems your life from destruction. Uh, everybody say destruction. Uh, friends, destruction is going on all around us. Accidents, calamities, uh, stuff going wrong uh, all around us. It's happening everywhere. But there is a place in God where these things bypass us and not hit us. Uh, where we're protected even in the middle of a situation uh, that is going on. And uh, God wants to offer that benefit of protection from destruction, from accidents, from calamities, and from things going wrong. I thought to myself, uh, you know, uh, the Bible is very clear and very precise in its language, uh, in, its, in, in the way that it communicates. And, uh, you know, the Old Testament written in Hebrew, they tell us that Hebrew is a very precise language. Uh, and uh, and uh, it is possible to, to, to just speak in very clear terms rather than, oh, I wonder what God's talking about here. It's like it's just very clear and, and very, very precise. So I wondered to myself, I wonder what a benefit is. And of course, we, you know, we, we know when, you know, we're in a, in a, in, in a country, a Western country, there's benefit. You know, there's unemployment benefit. There's various other benefits. Uh, so I thought I'd go to the dictionary and find out what the dictionary has to say about a benefit. Um, and it's in your outline there. Benefit is something that promotes and enhances well-being. And how many of you know that God is into promoting and enhancing well-being? God is not out to clobber us 
or to cause accidents in our lives. God wants to protect us, all right, to enhance well-being and to promote it. Uh, a benefit is help or aid. And that's what God's all about, ultimately. God wants to help us and He wants to aid us to go through life uh, and not be cut off early uh, and go to the grave early, as it were. Um, and then thirdly, it speaks there about a benefit of payment, uh, or a benefit is a payment or an entitlement in accordance with an agreement. Um, and uh, the dictionary there talks about an example of an insurance payout. Uh, does the insurance pay out to everybody? No, to only to those that they have an agreement with. It's called a policy. And uh, I would like to speak to you today about an insurance policy with God that will help you in this life and that will help you in the life to come. Um, so God's benefit is help, it's assistance, it's a payment based on an agreement. And the question is, what is that agreement? How can I get in on that policy with God? I looked at... Uh, different translations of the Bible. You know, we've got the King James uh, um, translation, which was translated in, I know, 1500, uh, uh, you know, with King James English, with all the these and thous, and then we got more modern translations. Like, for example, the New Century Version, NCV, he says, he saves my life from the grave. Well, that's good enough to me. That's nice and clear and precise. He saves my life from the grave. And uh, uh, and when we look study the Bible, there's, uh, two entirely different types of destruction listed in the Bible. And I want to list them both here today so that we're all very clear in regards to what's going on around us and as to how we can avoid and prevent certain things from happening. So the Bible speaks of being saved and delivered from, number one, from uh, temporary disasters. Everybody say temporary. Um, we could use another word. We could call it earthly. Uh, temporary happening in this life, on this earth. Uh, how, how do you know that one day this whole place is going to just, uh, you know, pass away um, and uh, there's going to be another, another life, another, another place coming uh, and we're all headed in that direction. So that's the first uh, disaster that can be avoided and, and be saved from, temporary disasters. It pertains to this life. And then the second one is eternal disaster. Uh, and that's the biggest one of them all, uh, eternal disaster. And it pertains to the world to come um, and... Uh, you know, when David says here that, that God saves our life from the grave, the reality is we're all getting to that place. Uh, and uh, some of us are closer than others, but uh, it's, like, <laughs> it's like being on a river that you can't upstream and avoid that, you know. It's going to come. And the point is to prepare in this life so that we're going to have a good landing. You know, they reckon when you get near Hooker Falls and at the top end, at a certain point, you get to the point of no return. <laughs> You're committed. And, uh, <laughs> and that's probably not a good place to go down. Some people have and they survive, but I would not expect myself to go down there and survive. I wouldn't know what to do. Um, and so the point is to prepare. We're all on that place of no return. We're all headed in that direction. And the question is, do we have an insurance policy with God? Let me talk to you about that first area there, that temporary destruction, accidents, and calamities. Somebody might say, well, accidents must happen. No, they don't have to. No, they don't have to. Just because they happen all around us, they don't have to uh, happen. Uh, there is a place in God where we can rise above all of that. I made reference, was it a couple of weeks ago, and this is not about bragging about myself, but uh, you know, God's hand has been on my life uh, uh, even before I got born again, even before I committed my life to Jesus Christ. God's hand been on my life because I had a praying grandmother. And she prayed for me. And uh, there's not a single bone in my body that's broken, even though I nearly broke my shin the other day, but it's not broken. 
Praise God. Got a couple of scars here or there, but otherwise, talk about knowing the protection of God. And, uh, and uh, I was just back in Austria late last year and uh, just looked around on the farm there and on the sawmill and on the flour mill, the old buildings. Some of it has been torn down and other stuff is still there. And I thought, oh my God, how did it happen that all of us kids came through all of that uh, and didn't uh, break legs and didn't break necks? And uh, I mean, it's just been the crazy things. I'm talking about crazy things. Running around in the forest, climbing up trees. One time it took me over four hours to get back down again because it's easy to get up, but man, it's hard to come down. And me and my mate, we were out, and I don't know why I'm telling you this story, but we were out raiding birds' nests, and uh, there was a bird's nest way up there. And I'm not talking a little shrub, a two, three meters high. I'm talking a tree that's meters and meters up there. I managed to get up there, and on the way down, it's like it just didn't work too good. But I got down again. And another time we were up... Uh, uh, my family, my, my parents used to grow hops, uh, you know, hops for beer making, and, uh, and the hops is typically strapped up on, uh, on high poles and wires, and this thing is uh, probably 10 meters high, and there was a ladder uh, leaning against uh, the outer wires there, and those kids, nothing better to do, say, all right, let's see how high we can get up there and jump off. And uh, we didn't jump into concrete, so uh, we jumped into a paddock. It was kind of soft ground. Okay, fifth rung, oh, that was easy. Sixth rung, uh, and, oh, that was all right. And seventh rung, we worked our way up. I'm thinking back now, how did we not break our legs or, or something? But you know, when the hand of God is on somebody, a lot of these things don't happen. Of course, there's limits to what we can do in God. We mustn't tempt God. You know, Satan took Jesus up on, on, the, on a high mountain. He said, throw yourself down. He says, because the angels of God are going to protect you. And Jesus says, uh-uh. He says, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And so we can certainly tempt God and go overboard and break our leg. And then people have done that. They've done stupid stuff and they then blame God because something has gone wrong. So don't do silly things. Don't do silly things. Psalm 91. Got myself all sidetracked. Psalm 91. You know, when I said earlier on that I was going to be brief, I think I might have lied. You know, it's hard to put time restrictions on a preacher. I said to Vanessa, I'm going to be up. I'm going to be through the offering in a flash because we've got a lot of things happening and apparently I took longer than what I should have. Psalm 91 verse 9. He says, if you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the most high your shelter, no evil will conquer you. Isn't that good news? No evil will conquer you. He says, no plague will come near your home. What's a plague? Well, flu, swine flu, Hong Kong flu, bird flu. These are all plagues. It'll not come near your home. Uh, he says, for he will order, this is God, he will order his angel to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up in their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. <laughs> hurt your foot on a stone, what does that mean? Stub your toe. All right, that's what that means. Praise God. Vanessa stopped your toe the other day. Maybe she didn't make the Lord her refuge uh, 100%. <laughs> Maybe there was just a 1% there that... Uh, <laughs> if we had time, if we had time through, to read through the whole Psalm 91, we would find that all 16 verses are one continuous promise of protection from accidents, calamities, sickness and disease, the error that flies by day, the calamity that happens by night, you don't have to be afraid, uh, just, just on and on and on. You see, the Bible speaks there about, about God dispatching his angels to protect people. And sometimes we wonder, um, 
why there's not more stuff that goes wrong with kids. You know, bad stuff happens, and look, don't get me wrong, we don't want to minimize anything, it's just tragic stuff. But, uh, you know, the Bible speaks of angels, uh, that God is dispatched, and every child has at least one angel to watch over them. I tell you what, I kept mine very busy. Boy, he is a busy boy, my angel, and uh, flying around, and, uh, and somebody might say, do you really believe in angels? Absolutely, I'm living proof that there's angels. Uh, and... Uh, and do you really believe that they have rings? Absolutely, they have rings. It's a, the Bible, whatever the Bible says, I believe. And the Bible speaks of angels. And you know, for all I care, they could be flying around in jetpacks. I don't care, but I've kept mine very busy. And, uh, and uh, so God dispatches his angels to look after people. And, uh, but you know, sometimes when people go off and go in a different direction and go contrary to God's plan for their lives, uh, then bad stuff can happen. And God wants us to know as to how to have a, an agreement, an insurance policy with him. Uh, here in Psalm 91, there are three words that are mentioned that will unlock as to how we can get in on that insurance policy with God. Uh, uh, the first one is listed in Psalm 91 verse 9. He says, Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. If you've got a pen in your hand, circle that word because, because, because there's something there. He says there's a particular condition that's being fulfilled in order to break in on God's protection uh, and to have that stuff bypass you. Um, the Bible says a thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. All right, There is that place in God, it shall not come near you. And then in verse 14 of the same psalm, he says, Because he has set his love upon me, this is now God speaking in person, he says, Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. And the question is, do you know God's name? Because the Bible lists there three becauses. Um, becauses, plural. And there are three criteria that we need to fulfill in order to walk in God's protection. Not just in this life, but also in that which is to come. Uh, the first one, let me quickly list it again. Because you made the Lord, uh, your, because you made the Lord your dwelling place, or one translation says your habitation. Do you know what? God does not want us to use him as an emergency rescue service and call him up every couple of years when we get in a tight spot. God wants us to talk to him every day. And sometimes, I can remember that when I grew up, oh, get enticed, but oh God, oh God, get me out of this one. I promise this, that, and the other. Like, promises, promises, promises. And then the pressure lifts off. It's like, and then hooning around again and living like the devil. You know, um, God will get us out. Uh, but at a certain point, you know, bad stuff can catch up and then we might not have time to call on God. Uh, and so the time to connect up with God is in the good times and then to, to stick with it. Make an agreement and stick with it. These guys that we're baptizing here today, they've made an agreement with God and they're planning to stick with it. All right? Secondly, because you have set your love on God. I'd say, how would you love God? Uh, I mean, what does God look like? Where is he? Well, the Bible speaks of a person by the name of Jesus Christ. And if we love Jesus Christ, then we love God because he's actually God. And we'll look at that in just a moment. Um, Time allows us to do that, <laughs> praise God. And let us see, because you have known his name. God wants us to get close to him. He wants us to love him. Uh, he wants us to know his name and uh, actually to get to know him 
personally. And the focus and the emphasis on the, is on the word personally. Um, you know, in the old days, uh, when Vanessa and I got saved some 30 years ago, there used to be a phrase that was commonly used uh, and, and said, and people used to ask, have you received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Um, and, uh, and, and you might say, well, why is that such a good thing? Well, you see, Jesus is Lord and Savior in a general sense. But the question is, is he your personal Lord and Savior? That's the crux of the matter. That's the insurance policy. That is establishing an agreement with God that God is looking for uh, in order to uh, be able to protect us. Um, and uh, as I said before, uh, the last because there's because uh, I've known his name. Uh, does God have a name? Absolutely. And the question is, what is God's name? Um, and there could be different opinions about it, but you know, I always go to the Bible and say, what does the Word of God have to say? Uh, and there is a passage here in the book of Titus, over in the New Testament, in chapter 2 and in verse 14. It says, For the grace of God that has appeared offers salvation to all people. Um, so in other words, salvation from temporary evils and from eternal disasters is offered to all men. He says, and it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passion and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, meaning right here, right now. He says, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. What is God's name? Jesus Christ is his name. Now, we don't have time to drill down into the, into the detail of, uh, of the Trinity, of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three persons, one God. You try to look at, approach that from a, from a kind of a mental, um, uh, kind of, a, you know, sort of intelligence type thing that the mind's going to boggle. <laughs> okay? And so, yes, there is God the Father. Yes, there is God the Son. And yes, there is God the Holy Spirit. But what's God's name? Jesus Christ is the name that God wants us to know. He's the, he's the man. Uh, he's God that come to this earth. He became a man, so he's both God and both man. And I'm getting ahead of myself, but he's the one that straddles the difference and the, the divide between God and human beings and provides a bridge for us to get across and to establish a personal relationship with God. He's verse 14, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. So Jesus is looking for a people that are his own. He's seated uh, at the throne in heaven right now. The Bible says he's the head of the church. He's the king of God's kingdom. And he's looking for a people that want citizenship in heaven. And there's only one way to get it. And uh, we'll just get into the detail of that in just a moment. I'm kind of skimming along because I know that these people are so keen to get into the water and we're so keen to see them get into the water. What a celebration here this morning. So God's name is Jesus Christ. He's God and he wants to be a savior. And uh, once we are, and once we fulfill the other criteria, that we're not just uh, sending emergency prayers to God uh, uh, every couple of years when we get a tight spot, but we're with God uh, all day, every day. We get to the place where we don't feel the need to shout in our prayers to God, even though we might do because we get excited sometimes, but we can whisper to God and we know he hears us because God is near, he's close. And the second area of destruction that the Bible speaks about is eternal destruction. That's the worst kind of all. 
And the reason why it's called eternal destruction isn't, excuse me, this is not meant to be an insult to your intelligence, but it is eternal. It is eternal. It goes on forever and ever and ever. Uh, and there is no end to it. The Bible speaks of a place of eternal judgment called hell. It's never even made for people. God says that he made it for, for rogue angels that rebelled against God, but sadly people are going to end up in the same place because they either don't know what we're talking about here this morning or they've said, ah, that's not for me. I got my own insurance policy. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3, it speaks of God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved. So evidently God has a desire. God wants people to be saved. God does not want people to go to this, to this place of eternal judgment or damnation. He says he wants everyone to be saved. He wants them to come to know the truth. Uh, how do you get saved? By hearing and, and responding to the truth. Um, he says, for there's only one God and there's only one goal between for God and human beings. He's the man, Jesus Christ. Now, uh, let's not get confused. Earlier on I said that that uh, Jesus was God, and he is God, and he's also man. Uh, he's the, he's the God-man uh, that straddles the great divide between God Almighty and humanity and provided the bridge all the way across. It says here that uh, he gave himself to pay for the sins of everyone, um, and that was a witness given by God at just the right time. When is just the right time uh, to hear that truth and to respond to it? Just the right time is always now because we're not promised tomorrow. As I say, everybody's like on that uh, top end of the hooker falls and uh, at a certain point people are going to be pulled into that place and then they're at the place of no return. So when's the right time to respond to God? I thought I was going to drop into that pool there just for a moment. Uh, the, the, the right time is always now. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. And sadly people said, oh no, I've got much more life to live and I'm going to put it off. And... Uh, People procrastinate. And sadly, hell is already partly filled with procrastinators. So let's not procrastinate. Let's respond to God if we haven't already done so. Acts chapter 4 verse 12, it says, There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. You know, they say there's many roads to Rome, and that might well be true. But the Bible tells us there's only one road to heaven, and his name is Jesus Christ. Sorry for calling him a road. He actually himself says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. Jesus says, I'm the way. I'm the way. So how can we be saved from eternal destruction? Because that's the worst kind of all. It goes on and on and on. It doesn't end. Praise God, this is wonderful. You know what, that clock has stopped down the back there. That really helps me. <laughs> Keep on looking at it and something. I'm, I think I might go by that clock. It's only, it's only quarter to 11 there, and uh, it'll, it'll be there for the next two hours. So, oh, no, no, look, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> How can we be saved from eternal destruction? One day Paul the Apostle and his mates were out Help, helping people to get saved, telling them about this insurance policy, uh, which is actually a person. It's not a piece of paper. It's a person, and his name is Jesus Christ. And somehow they ended up in prison because people got offended and ticked off. And I'm hope, I hope there's nobody here ticked off 
and offended this morning. I'm not trying to offend you. I'm trying to help you. Um, we're preaching from the Bible. Um, and I encourage you to check these things out for yourself. And uh, anyway, Paul and Silas were out and ended up in prison. And uh, make a long story short, these guys were there with their backs bleeding, feet in stocks. You know, back then they were real prison. And uh, these guys are in there. And in the middle of the night, um, in the middle of the night, these guys are singing songs. You know, it's amazing what you can do that when things are going bad all around you, you can still sing songs because you know that your eternal security is it's just fully okay and fully sorted out and your policy is current and that you're not behind in payment. How do you know that with the insurance company, you get behind in payment and something goes down, they say you didn't pay your, you know, your, 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 your premium or your fee or whatever it is, but you know, it's already been paid for us. Jesus paid with it uh, with his own blood. One payment, that was all that was required. So our insurance policy is current, all right. So these guys are sitting in prison uh, singing songs and it's amazing what happens when we begin to praise God and, uh, and not just have emergency praise, but just praising God, knowing that he's got it in hand and that God's got a plan. And the Bible says there was an earthquake that took place. We don't know if it was just a localized earthquake just shaking the prison or the whole region, region. But the Bible says the place shook so hard that the doors flew open and the stocks fell off of their feet. That's a pretty supernatural earthquake, it sounds like to me. And the uh, Bible says all of these guys came out and the prison uh, officer, the prison guard, uh, kind of thought, oh man, everybody's escaped and they're going to kill me for it. And so he was getting ready to commit suicide, like right there. You know, there were different days back then and uh, and uh, death penalty and what have you. So anyway, he nearly killed himself. And Paul says, no, 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 no. He says, don't kill yourself. He says, we're all here. And and uh, and then this is what the man said in response. He's just suddenly realized, I thought, oh man, I nearly got sucked down that hook of falls and ended up in the wrong place. Um, and I'm just kind of... <laughs> interjecting things in there. There's no hooker falls mentioned in the Bible, by the way, in case you're wondering. And, and he says here uh, in, uh, in, uh, in uh, right there, right there, in Acts chapter 16, here it is, and in verse 30, he says, Men, what must I do to be saved? Men, what must I do to be saved? That's a fair enough question. That's clear, that's precise, that's not like vague, that's very clear. What must I do to be saved? And they said to him, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and all the people in your house. So Paul and Silas told the message of the Lord to the jailer. What is that? It's the same message that I'm presenting to you today for your consideration. Presenting the message of the Lord. Pres presenting the message of salvation. Uh, he says, and uh, uh, to, uh, m told the message to the, uh, of the Lord to the jailer and to all the people in his house. And he and all his people were baptized immediately. And so I don't know how they did that, but somewhere there must have been some river or creek or lake or pond or something. And uh, these guys got saved like right there. What does it mean to get saved? We'll discuss that in detail in just a moment and then we'll wrap up and then we'll get some of these people to jump in the pool. Um, praise God. And uh, so they baptized them immediately. Uh, here in Acts chapter uh, 26 and in verse 20, uh, Paul the Apostle speaking, he says, I preached first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, and throughout all Judea, and also to the Gentiles. Gentiles are, is, is reference, is a term for all non-Jewish people. Because Paul was a Jew, and the early apostles, for the most part, uh, just preached to the Jews only and didn't bother about anybody else. But God bothers about everybody else. Uh, Jesus paid the price 
for everybody's sins, not just for the Jewish people. He says, he says so I preach to, to all those in Judea and also to the Gentiles that all must repent of their sins and turn to God and prove that they've changed by the good things that they do. And so point number one, a letter A, what must I do to be saved? It's repent of your sins and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Repent and believe. What does it mean to repent? It means to turn away. Turn away from the lifestyle that we've known. Uh, turn into a new lifestyle and put our faith in Jesus Christ. Then in John chapter 1, verse 12, uh, and this is all very clear and very precise, the Bible speaks here of Jesus coming to his own people, to the Jewish people, because he was born into the Jewish nation. And it says here that he came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. You see, by and large, the Jewish nation rejected Jesus Christ as Savior. They said, he's just a carpenter's son. We know his parents, we know his brothers and sisters. They didn't recognize him as the Messiah, as the, as the promised deliverer that the Old Testament told them about, that he was going to come to set him free from their sins. Uh, didn't recognize him. He came to his own, but his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. And secondly, what must I do to be saved? To receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Receive him. If I were to pull out a $100 bill, which I'm not going to do, but if I did, and I'm not going to do it, not because I wouldn't want you to have one, but I haven't got one on me. But if I pulled out a $100 bill and extended it out and say, I want to give that to you, it's yours, It'll be yours from the moment I say it's yours, but you'll not get the benefit of it until you reach out and actually take it. And uh, so that's called receiving. I'm receiving the gift. God's offering the gift of his son called Jesus Christ to the world uh, and says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish or have an eternal disaster on their hands. I can interject that. Shall not perish but have eternal life. Romans chapter 10, we're winding down now, and very shortly we'll proceed with our baptisms. Romans chapter, nine verse, uh, chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, tells us the specifics and the mechanics of how a person gets saved. He says, for if you believe, in fact, let me start again. He says, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from eternal damnation. You know, nowadays we've got these things, you know, save the whales, save the possum, save the pahuta kava trees, save everything. The most important salvation is for people, and Jesus already paid the price. And I'm all for saving these other things. Don't get me wrong, I'm all for it. Verse 10, for we believe with our hearts, so we will be made right with God, and we declare with our mouth that we believe, so that we are saved. So in other words, there's something that we have to say to establish that insurance policy with God. Something that we have to declare, we have to make a, a declaration. And of course, that's later see, declare with your mouth that he's Lord. Your Lord. My Lord. He's Lord anyway. That's why we said earlier on, is He your personal Lord and Savior? And only you can establish that relationship. 
Somebody cannot do it for you. Romans chapter 20, uh, chapter 2, verse 20. Just a second to last scripture here. It says, For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. People say, Ah, you know, I keep the Ten Commandments. Rob no banks. Kill no people. Don't steal. Well, not much anyway. And, and surely that's got to be good enough for God to let me into heaven. You know, the Bible speaks of a record that we have with God, that everything is written down. In fact, the Bible says that one day the books of life are going to be opened. They're searching through the names of the people who are written in the book of life. And ultimately, only people who have surrendered their life to Jesus Christ and made him the Lord of their life are written in that Lamb's book of life. And it's a little bit like a big sheet of glass. People say, if I obey the Ten Commandments, I'm going to be perfect, I'll get to heaven. But all you require is a little chip on one corner or in the middle or off to the side. One little ding somewhere and it's no longer perfect. And in order to get into heaven, we need a perfect record. And the reality is nobody's got one. And this is not accusatory. It's just stating facts. Nobody's got a good record except Jesus Christ. And when we surrender our life to Jesus, God takes away the old chipped uh, record, that chipped piece of glass, and throws it away and gives us Jesus' record that is absolutely perfect. And we arrive at the gates of heaven, and God's not looking at us and saying, what have you done or what have you not done? It's like, oh, come on in, because he sees Jesus' records. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. You know, the Ten Commandments is like a mirror. We look in it and we see what's wrong and what's out of kilter, but the mirror has no capacity to fix anything in our lives. How few ladies that when you got up this morning, you looked in the mirror, by the way, you're looking pretty. All right. You looked in the mirror this morning and thought, oh, I think I might need a little help here this morning. And, you know, you sort of, uh, and I did. I had a shave and everything. I needed a bit of help. But, you know, the mirror did nothing for me. It only pointed out that I needed a, a shave, but I had to give myself, myself a shave. And uh, you had to put on your own mate. So the mirror doesn't have the power to do anything other than to show you your condition. So the Ten Commandments, that's all there for, to show us our condition. But God sent Jesus Christ to pay the price for all the mistakes and all the wrongdoings. Uh, that we have made brings us to the last point there it says don't trust in your own good deeds they're not going to get you there don't trust in your own good deeds Ephesians 2 uh, verse 8 last scripture it says for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God not of works lest anyone should boast what does that mean? well it's exactly what it says by grace we are saved not by having earned it or having paid for it. You know, I come from a religious background that, you know, you could, you could do amazing things uh, with money, like, oh, that's what they said. You know, you can you pay some money, you're going to get out of purgatory early, and uh, you can do this and you can do that. Well, the reality is there's actually no such place as purgatory. There's only heaven and hell. And our money amounts to nothing when it comes to establishing an insurance policy. It's by grace that we are saved. By grace, by grace, by God's unmerited favor that he is extended towards us. And then it says, through faith. Through faith and that not of yourselves. You see, even the very faith that is required in order for us to be saved is a gift from God. We didn't conjure it up ourselves and find it somewhere. God gave it to us. 
What does that mean? I'll close with a short illustration. Um, and this is no lie, I will make it short. <laughs> if I were to go to the airport and imagine there's no trains, there's no buses, I need to go by car. And uh, that car is called Grace. So I get into Grace and drive to the airport. So it says, by grace are you saved. By car, if somebody says, how do you get to the airport? By car, I'm going to go by car to the airport. By grace or by car, by grace are you saved. Through faith. Now if we go the standard route, we're going to end up going through two tunnels. We've got the Terrace Tunnel, we've got the Mount Victoria Tunnel. Maybe there's others that I'm not thinking of right now. Imagine there is no around the base route. That's an alternative route. But where heaven is concerned, there is no alternative route. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except by me. So there's no alternative route. Uh, route. So by car, I travel to the airport through the tunnel. You see, the tunnel is like faith. I need to go into the tunnel and imagine that the whole thing were a tunnel. Just help me with this. Uh, just imagine I get onto the airport and the tunnel starts and it goes all the way down to the airport and then I come out the tunnel and, and then I'm in heaven. By grace, we are saved. By car, I go to the airport through the tunnel, through faith. And here's the trick. Once we get into the tunnel, once we get into faith, we need to stay in, the, in faith. We need to stay in there. There are a few exit points. Stuff happens. People say, oh, God, let me down. I'm, I'm out of here. Well, you won't get to the airport then, will you? There's various exit points. The trick is to stay in faith, to stay in the tunnel. And you end up getting to the airport if we look into our natural picture and we end up getting to heaven when the jumping off point uh, comes and we're ready to go. My mother passed away and gloriously went to heaven. She's a saved woman. Um, she could have been standing here this morning and explained things. Uh, just, just a woman of the word and just amazing. Vanessa's mother passed away uh, all within the space of a month. She went to heaven. Because Vanessa prayed with her and made sure that she confessed Jesus Christ as Lord of her life. And so we can stand here today confidently on the authority of God's word. We've got two women that we know have gone to heaven besides all the countless other people that got into faith and stayed in faith until they got to the other side. Let me just close with a word of prayer. Father, we just want to thank you. We want to praise you. We want to honor you in this place. You're present by your spirit. And Lord, it is as it were that we can feel your presence here. We can feel your love. We can feel your concern for people. Your burden for lost people that are still headed in the wrong direction. And Father, I pray for every man, for every woman, every child. I pray, God, to open the eyes of people's hearts and let there be a, uh, an openness for people to receive the message to receive Jesus as Lord of their lives, to get into the tunnel, as it were, and to stay in it 
until we all come out the other side when it's time to go to heaven. And uh, we praise you and we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.